Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast with Rebecca Coombs, the place where you can learn how to achieve a happy, healthy gut. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Welcome to episode 16 of the Healthy Gut Podcast. Today I'm joined by Sarah Butler, who is the co-owner of Organic Angels, which she and her husband Scott started in 2006 out of a desire to source certified organic produce for when their first son was about to start on solid foods. Sarah has been on her own gut healing journey for thyroid autoimmune and is passionate about eating healthily and having a healthy lifestyle. So Sarah and I talk all about her own personal journey around food and wellness and overcoming that condition and also why she believes eating organic produce is so important. So I hope you enjoy episode 16 with Sarah Butler. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Vic. It's good to be here. Yeah. So um, we've done some really great uh, stuff with each other since uh, since I decided to change my health and, uh, and, and heal my gut. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited to have you on the show today to talk all things organics. And uh, I just love your business and I've been a customer of yours and love your produce. Um, so I'd love for you to tell the listeners of the Healthy Gut podcast how you came to be Organic Angels, like what your own health journey has been to get you here today. All right. Well, Organic Angels was an idea birthed probably about 11 years ago. So it's been 10 years in business. And um, at the time, our eldest son, Charlie, was six months and we had to introduce him to solid foods. And, and I'd started to read a lot about organic food and um, and there was this gorgeous, you know, pure breastfed baby and I was about to feed him. And I was just really mindful about the pesticides and herbicides and foods and I just didn't want to give him that. So um, we just looked at getting organic for him really just for those solid foods and those first foods. And um, and then over time we were like, oh, this, this stuff's really nice. Like it's really tastes better and it feels like it's doing, you know, it's better for us. And then like I was both my husband and I were working at the time um, and we're like, where do we get organic food home delivered? And there really wasn't many out there at the time. And so we decided to to start the business ourselves. We um, just researched the idea and, you know, it took us 12 months to kind of get it off the ground and that's how it started. Yeah, wonderful. And and you have, have had your own um, personal uh, highs and lows with uh, health issues as well, haven't you? Yes, they've pr- they came more to the surface probably two years ago 
Um, I've always had issues like irritable bowel and, and some thyroid issues and stuff like that. That's kind of always shown up a little bit, the thyroid, especially on my blood tests. And um, it kind of came to a point around 2014, so two years ago now, where I just I felt so tired and I felt like there's this heavy weight on me all the time and, and I was just getting strange symptoms like tingly legs and really extreme cold hands and feet and really feeling depressed and, and anxious and all those kind of things were coming to me. And and even when I'd seen a, a chiropractor at that time, <clears throat> he's just said to me, you just feel like your body is just so fatigued and um, that's not normal for a woman your age and for your diet. And that's when I started to explore what was going on at a deeper level and had some blood tests and stuff. And that's where thyroid, autoimmune, Hashimoto's came up um, for me. Yeah. Interesting. And and what was, um, what's been your path to treatment and to um, healing from that? Well, I just the way that I'm wired, I, I automatically look to my diet to how this could be um, how I could heal myself because I had and I just started to do some research about thyroid autoimmune and, and came across um, the autoimmune paleo website by a lady called Mickey Trescott in the USA and that was a lifesaver for me because it had all the information that I needed. I bought, downloaded her cookbook and I pretty much just started on this diet. I went and saw a naturopath at the same time who was able to give me some things just to support me along the way um, because even though with thyroid autoimmune, linky gut is obviously um, linked to that and then my vitamin D, my iron and all of those essential minerals were just drastically low, um, we had to kind of start building those things back into my into my system. Mm, and. And how are you today? Like how how has your uh, journey been and um, and what did you do to build those things back into your system? Um, so I'm feeling, gosh, heaps better today. Uh, you know, two years on, it's been amazing. It's not – it's something that I constantly have to look at. Like I – that initial gut repair that I did when I first found out and that whole treatment period was probably about a 12-month journey of – cutting out quite a few things in my diet, introducing some supplements like, you know, um, digestive enzymes, vitamin D, oils, um, iron. I even had an iron infusion at the time. Um, and just, yeah, just taking a lot of kind of supplements to support me. And um, so it's – so that initial kind of 12-month gut repair – just, I just saw a massive change in how I slept. I mean, obviously everything else incorporated. I actually got into um, meditation and actually learned how to manage my stress through all that time. So it was kind of a big kind of not just the diet. It was some supplement health, some naturopath help and um, meditation and yoga to really kind of help through that journey. And what were the changes that you had to make to your diet given that your um, a very healthy eater and and um, obviously have an organic approach to the, the food that you eat. What did you have to change about it? 
Well, that was, um, it was really interesting. I was not a happy person. I was quite angry when I found out I had this because I was like, what the heck? Like I've just been eating organic or, you know, for like 10 years or eight years at that time. I have a really clean diet, you know, what's going on. And um, so I had to kind of overcome a little bit of a bit of resentment about that. But see, I'd have things like, you know, sourdough bread and organic milk and I was having lots of eggs and all those kind of things. And so when I had, had to cut out eggs, dairy, grains and nightshades and uh, nuts, um, you know, that was, I was having a little bit of a meltdown about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, yeah, full on. But um, and that's yeah, and it's totally understandable as well. I think uh, you know, especially given that you weren't coming from a diet that was unhealthy, you were eating a very healthy life uh, diet, and and uh, and it would have been very tough to be told, hey, these foods that you consider healthy aren't working for you. Yeah. Yeah, it was a real shift and it was um and at the time like we had to, you know, we've got the three kids and running the business and I knew that it was just going to take a lot of commitment and and so after the initial meltdown and I thought, well this is not going to help if I'm just going to be stressed out and anxious about this whole process cuz you know, that's not going to help me get well. So I just kept telling myself that I'm going to embrace this, I can do this, I'm going to be okay and um, just be really organised. I mean, I'm a super organised person anyway. Um, so I just wrote a lot of lists, did a lot of menu planning and really most of my spare time during that period was in the kitchen. And that's because even though that really gave me the shit some days, I just, that was my commitment. Weekends or time off, I would be in the kitchen preparing meals for to help me get through the week. And that can be quite a challenge um, and I know that I've heard from many people who uh, feel a little aggrieved at how much time is required to spend in the kitchen cooking from scratch when you're healing your gut. Um, how, how did you approach that? You're a really busy woman. You've got a busy, really busy business, growing business and you're a mum of three and a wife and you know running a household. How did you find the time to fit all of that? extra cooking in um I looking back for that particular period I was just um I mean it's it's just still it's still my life today but back then when um again I just reminded myself that this is what I've chosen to do you know this is the lifestyle I'm choosing to lead um and I'm grateful that I've got access to all of this beautiful organic fruit and veg. And um, I just kept reminding myself that that's my choice and that's my lifestyle and that's what I want to do. That's what my, I want my kids to see. And so, like I said, just every moment really I was in the kitchen. Um, that was a big sacrifice. But now it's not so bad. Like now I've lapsed, you know, not lapsed, but I've, you know, taken the foot off the pedal a little bit and, and I can relax a little bit more. But, you know, it's still like that today, even two years on um, and managing the kids and diet and healthy living at home. It's still my choice and I still remind myself that I want to be able to make things to put in my kids' lunches. I don't want anything packaged. And um, and I, I think that when, you know, it's – it's trying to remind myself, yeah, just to be grateful for that, and I and I don't 
I think there's so much convenience out there and we fall into this convenience mindset, but really it actually doesn't have to take a lot of time to do this. And I've become really efficient over the last two years um, to make it all work. That's probably how I'll make it work. Just efficiency, simple recipes that are healthy and bulk, you know, doing bulk cooking and stuff like that helps as well. And do you have any tips for any of the listeners um, around how to become efficient when cooking everything from scratch? Yeah, I think um, I'm a big menu planner and um, and I never was, but now I do it because I think it's the only way that works if you really want to um, be efficient in the kitchen. So like I spend time an hour a week over a cup of tea with my recipes, um, you know, my iPad or whatever, and I'll write down what I'm doing for the week, mainly dinners, um, and then I'll write down a couple of snack ideas, and then I'll write down what I'm doing for each night, and then if this, if I if I know that I've got a day off or some a couple of hours spare, I'll just remind myself to prepare, start preparing meals for the next, you know, for the for the meals, say, you know, a couple of nights away. Um, I have a thermomix, which also really helps. Um, and, you know, I'll make up, you know, double batches of muffins and freeze them and because every time I bake something, honestly, it's they're like vultures in this house. They'll go for it like crazy, crazy creatures. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to hide things and, in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. And for our US listeners um, where thermomix hasn't really taken off, I don't even know if it's being sold there, <laughs> it is literally like the most incredible contraption, isn't it? Yeah. It's a blender and a cook and a chopper and a dicer and an everything yep. all in one um, – it looks like a blender, but it's uh, it's like a blender on steroids. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's it's on my wish list. Yeah. I really want a Thermomix. <laughs> one day, one day I'll have one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They're definitely worth it, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And where do you go and seek your um, recipe informa- or recipe inspiration, I should say, to then do your menu plans? Do you have like a, a little – um, do you have bookmarks on your computer of where you store recipe files? Do you have a folder of actual physical recipes? Like how do you go about doing that? Um, I just tend to be a bit um, fluid with it. So I usually grab a scrap piece of paper, usually a school newsletter or something, and I scribble on the back of that what I'm doing and um, just handwrite, you know, what we're doing for the week and then I'll just kind of pull out some recipe books and I've still got some, you know, favourites like, um, you know, like Donna Hay or Bill Granger or Jamie Oliver. Some of those guys, I, you know, I love their recipes but I'll get some inspiration and I might tweak it. So, you know, take out the gluten or the, the dairy options um, and usually I just tend to, yeah, just kind of work around those recipes and obviously I've got your gorgeous cookbooks and I use the um, – Pete Evans Paleo Cookbook, and yeah, there's a good few Paleo apps out there too. Um, Eat Drink Paleo, I like, and um, yeah, I love the the Mickey Trescott, the Autoimmune Paleo as well. So there's some really good, you know, low sh- no sugar, grain free, dairy free options. With yeah, those there guys. are. Yeah, and 
in the show notes, I've also got a link to my menu, uh, sorry, my meal planner uh, for anybody that is wanting support on um, on how to plan out a week's worth of meals. My meal planner lists breakfast, lunch, dinner, desserts, and snacks, and uh, and you can write down the recipe source as well. and And uh, and Sarah, you and I have used that. Um, we've um, run some workshops together around gut health, and we've use that for people and we know mm-hmm. that that uh, comes in handy so yep. however people like to do their menu planning um, it's great I find to have it written down in one place be it on the back of a school newsletter or uh, yep, exactly. <laughs> on an, an official <laughs> meal planner <laughs> yeah Look, I think some people are quite resistant to meal planning I know I was because I was like I don't want to have to be like this you know man my life is so routine what do I need to do this for you know can I just be a bit more freer with it but you know, the rea- you know, if I didn't have kids and stuff like that, I probably would. You know, if the kids are away and I, they're not around, I don't menu plan. I just, you know, I can be a bit more fluid and just make up a salad and do whatever. But um, just, in, you know, when work is five days a week and, you know, kids and stuff like that, it, it's just I've just come to the realisation that's the best way I function and it's a great routine. It helps me budget with my shopping. I mean, even though we have beautiful access to the, fruit and veg which you know is unlimited and I'm just so grateful for that there's still other things I need to get um so I managed to do a lot of that online and just get that home delivered too I'd like to talk around the that your children and and husband's um uh I guess acceptance of you changing your diet were they were they um, happy to go along with you know mum uh changing a um the way that you were eating and I'm assuming that that had an impact on their diet or or were they resistant? How, how did you manage that with the broader family? Because I get a lot of um, particularly women contacting me saying, how do I manage my family? Mm. I, I don't want to be cooking multiple meals every meal time. So how do I do this for the family? Yeah. Um, what how, what was your journey with that and, and whether you've got any, any advice for our listeners today? Yeah, that's a good, good one. I think um, – well, when I first found out I had the thyroid autoimmune, we also did some um, stool testing and found out that I had a parasite and and so did all of the kids and my husband. So we were just like, what the heck? We were, you know, we were all having mini meltdowns, but we just, I remember just sitting around the table with the kids and just saying, right, so kids, this is the go. This is what's going on and this is what we need to do to kind of, you know, get rid of these bugs and for us to get well. So really it was cutting down sugar and telling them, okay, no more fruit. Um, we'll just stick to the low sugar fruits and, and minim- minimise the grains and let's stick to gluten-free if we're desperate and you need a sandwich, we can do that. And and we told them it was going to be like a five, six-week process and they were really good with that because we had some you know gut healing stuff to give them at the same time. And... Um, so I think when you engage the kids in the conversation and um, I try to be relaxed when it comes to diet and, and health and well-being because I don't want to create a mixed message so that they see me stressed out and it's a, you know, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. You can't have this and you can't have that because, you know, I don't like putting that too much strictness on it because I don't want them to have a mixed message about healthy food when they're older. I want them to have a healthy perspective. So, um so even now when when we're doing cooking at home and stuff like that, they've just got a real acceptance of it. I think they've always known it and lived with it. 
And, um, you know, something really quite amusing happened recently. My middle son got invited to his first McDonald's party (laughs) and um, inside I was really, I'm like, no, no, you can't do that. And um, and we've talked to the kids about, I don't say, you know, Macca's is evil and, you know, la, la, la. I try not to, you know, jam it down their throat. But what I do try to say is, you know, there's – Macca's is not good for you and it's not just that, it's about animal health and well-being as well. Well, I guess I kind of give them the broader picture, you know, rather than, you know, slamming it and saying it's just bad for you. Just try to give them an educated um, decision about it. And so he goes to this McDonald's party and he comes back and he goes, oh, mum, that was just, didn't like that at all. The the burgers were gross. The only things were nice were the the fries, he said. (laughs) So I I must admit... I just he got, got to make that decision himself. <laughs> yes. You know, and he said to me, you know, he even said to me, Mom, when I'm a teenager, I'm going to go to McDonald's, you know, once a month. And after that party, he came back and he goes, Mom, I know I said I'm going to go to Macca's when I'm a teenager, but I'm not going to go. I'm going to go to some other places. <laughs> <laughs> and how old are your kids, just for the listeners, so they can get some understanding of what their ages are? So the Jacob, who I was just talking about, he's eight, and then my eldest is twelve, and I've got a four-year-old. Great spread, great yes. spread of ages there. <laughs> yeah, I'll spread them out. Yeah, I think you've you've raised something really interesting, and that's around anxiety around meal times and mm. food. And kids are so um, perceptive of what is going on, and I really. I really uh, think what you said is is fantastic around you choosing not to bring anxiety into mealtimes with your family mm. um, because you've recognised that that could be um, picked up by your kids and passed on to them yeah. and that you want them to have a healthy relationship with food. And I think part of the journey with kids, if they're not having to eat a restricted diet because of allergies or intolerances or um being on very specific protocols, um, giving them the opportunity to uh, make decisions on their own, like your son did around McDonald's, mm-hmm. that he experienced it. You hadn't said, don't ever go, it's disgusting, it's, mm. it's you know, the worst thing in the world. And he came back having – his palate must, you know, is obviously so used to beautiful organic produce and then to taste – highly processed food like McDonald's. I'm sure his palate must and his taste buds must have thought, what on earth is this? (laughs) This isn't food. (laughs) We're used to eating real food. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So talking about food, let's talk about organic food. Um, Because um, I'm one of those people for a long time, uh, I've got to admit that I used to think organic food, what a, you know, it's just a marketing term. It's just a marketing term to, uh, you know, make people spend more money on their produce. Mm. Um, so in really simple terms, can you explain what organic actually means? Yeah. So, um, so organic is a food or, you know, um, food or um, products made with no chemicals, GMO products, pesticides, fungicides. Um, So, and there's a emphasis on um, rearing, um, healthy rearing of animals Um, and with the produce, yeah, so it's like fruit and veg. Yeah, so it's all just, yeah, no herbicides, um, fungicides, sprays, chemicals and all that kind of thing. So what that means, um, 
usually when we, you know, talking with our our growers that supply us, they have um, some of them are quite big properties and and they've been farming for generations, but they the yields are often smaller, so they it's a lot more labour intensive and. Um, so that's why, you know, the perception around the price of organics is so expensive. Um, you will pay more for it, you know, because the firstly the farmer is getting um, the good price for their work. I mean, we've spoken to them personally and, and these they're the type of people that I say they're on the front line. They are working their bums off to provide um, and support us with um, certified organic fruit and veggies and you know, with so much importing coming in from overseas and, and all that kind of stuff and then food miles and all that stuff, these are local growers in, in our country who um, are trying to keep this industry alive. And it is a growing industry the more the more that we support it. But we are keeping, uh, you know, their, their farming alive and it's a sustainable farming and, and we've walked around some of their properties and, and some of them have bought um, – in the past, like our apple grower was sharing how he just bought grazed land, you know, when, I think it was like 30 years ago, and he's introduced dams and um, established trees now and all the wildlife has come back. And um, so it really is just so much better for the environment on so many levels as well. Mm. And what about in terms of flavour? Do you believe that there's a difference in the flavour of organic um, produce versus what we'd probably call traditionally raised produce. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's the flavour that that gets people the most. Like it was definitely the thing that when we we were starting to feed um, our eldest solids when back when he was a baby, we actually went, oh, this actually tastes. There's so much flavour to this pear compared to a non-organic pear, and that was kind of the the started the conversion point for us. And um, and it's often the flavour that gets the guys like women are probably the main shoppers with us but we get a lot of um you know healthy conscious men as well but i when i speak to customers sometimes you know their thing is oh my husband's tried that apricot and he said oh my goodness it tastes amazing and that's often you know the thing that really stands out with organic food is is that it does taste so much better Mm, and and on the at flavor point, I remember when I first uh, first met you and I first um, ordered some of your produce, and I had uh, a pumpkin, a squash as it's known in the US, and it was literally like the it was the most incredible flavor I've ever tasted. Yeah. It was amazing. It was so sweet and delicious, and I roasted some up, and I I could have bathed in it. I loved it that much. <laughs> And just the comparison to um, pumpkin or squash that I had been buying from a market, mm. but it wasn't organic, and it was a significant difference in flavour. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing that the trick to kind of get around with organic too is the season. So everything's obviously seasonal. So you're not going to get, you know, while in the supermarkets you're still picking up winter fruit, you're not going to get that with um, organic produce. And I think that can be a bit of blockage for some people because they're like, right, I want my capsicums now or I want my onions or garlic now, but it's like, well, sorry, you know, it's just not around at the moment. And I think, you know, for someone like me who was used to be like, right, I need an onion every time I cook or I need to have this every time I cook this dinner, I've learnt to adapt and go, okay, well, if I can't get that, that's no big deal. That means I'm going to try using something else. And it's it's a bit of a mindset 
um, set shift as well, just kind of getting your head around being a bit more fluid and a bit more flexible with your cooking um, because you are and cooking with you, a season. Why do you think it is important for us to be cooking with seasonal produce rather than produce that's been in a deep freeze and uh, we're eating it all year round? Well, I mean, you're getting the the best and the freshest and, um, you know, it's – it's kind of it's funny like winter time is your citrus fruits and stuff like that. Well, there's a reason for that. While we're inundated with oranges and mandarins, it's you know it's vitamin C. It's full of folic acid, all the good things that our body needs that time of year to fight off your colds and flus. And I just kind of I love that relationship with food. Like you know now we're starting to get the apricots and and they're only around for a short time. And it's like yes, I'm going to just enjoy this. I'm going to do some jamming. I'm can freeze some if I want to. But it's um, or preserve stuff. It's just that kind of, um, you know, knowing that a good thing is coming, but a good thing comes to an end, and that's okay. And our kids recognise that too, because they get all excited when it's mango season. Now we're bringing home mangoes, and it's just like the best thing to have after dinner. And um, and I just love it. Every year they go through this excitement when something's in. They know that relationship with you know the seasons, and I think that's just a really beautiful thing. I I think it's great to reconnect with our planet and the way that Mother Nature provides foods at certain points in the year and that it isn't uh, available all year round. And, um, you know, it's funny you talking about mangoes because on the SIBO biphasic diet, mangoes are um, to be avoided. And I love mangoes. They just – I just think they're one of the best – fruits in the world. Um, so when I got through my SIBO, I tell you what, when summertime mm-hmm. rolled around again, I was devouring mangoes. <laughs> um, I love them. I yeah. absolutely love them. Um, I think the other thing uh, to, to make note of, and, and new research is coming out, um, which is one of the reasons why I personally uh, am uh, moving more towards organic produce and I will be honest there are times when I don't always eat organic Mm -hmm. Um, but just that research around the herbicides and pesticides and um, chemicals that are sprayed on the fruit and vegetables to keep bugs off them Mm. um, they can now see there's a direct correlation between killing the bugs at the plant level and killing our microbiome Mm. and I think that uh, more studies will come out um, talking about that link. But from my perspective, given that my gut health has been severely compromised in the past, and I would still say is compromised, I, I you know, I'm on a journey to recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about the produce that I put into my body and because I eat a very heavily plant-based diet, I need to, I, I now have made the decision, well, if I'm going to be eating um, lots of plant-based foods, then I need to think about what's on those plants. Mm. And am I doing myself any damage? by ingesting foods that may have been sprayed with quite toxic chemicals. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I've I've really shifted a lot to organic produce and with the with the aim that uh, one day I'll be completely organic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's a journey. For, for a start, you know, it's like we slowly made that conversion and even if you're introducing, do a 50-50 thing to start off with, that's a really good way of kind of getting into organics and um, I think, you know, with the cost factor, like for us now, um, I mean, even when we first started the business, um, 
you know, we were, you know, when we were building the business but not necessarily like running it, but we were choosing to eat organic at home, it was like, okay, so where in our budget can we tweak a little bit so that we can allow an extra 20 bucks a week or an extra $50 a week into our budget to do that? And and we just started to make sacrifices like, well, let's, you know, reduce the wine. Let's, you know, <laughs> let's do just, you know, one bottle of wine a fortnight or something. Let's, you know, not do takeaways or, or that kind of thing. So we just kind of, and even now it is still, the health and well-being is um, a, a priority for us. You know, even when we're budgeting every week, it's like we put aside money knowing that that's what we want to spend it on. Um, and yeah, it is a journey. And I think you can slowly um, introduce organics over time. I think, you know, if you're a meat eater, certified organic meat is, I would say that's a priority. I would go certified organic meat before certified organic veggies. Um, but. Um, and why is that? Oh, well, when you think about like the whole, I mean, the whole food system uh, is very screwed up in in my mind because you just look at the amount of highly processed foods in the shops um the way you know animals are now treated um for mass farming and and um meat production and you just you know recent shows that we've watched you know there's a lot of um, educational shows you can watch actually about that and it's a real eye-opener and um and for me, with the meat, you know, certified organic is important or at least, you know, sustainably ethically raised meat. And there are some butchers out there who might not be certified organic but have an ethical arm to their business. Um, it's really important because when you look at what mass, you know, meat farming does, it's uh, it's quite horrendous to watch. And I actually couldn't stomach that. <laughs> so if I had a choice, you know, what would it be? I would start with, you know, your meat. But if you're vegetarian or you can do both, then incorporating certified organic veggies as well is slowly, you know, is a great way of doing it. And the boxes that we do as well, I think are great because you pay like a certain amount each week and you're getting a box sent to you of seasonal fruit and veg, Um and people love that because they know they're spending that much amount per week and that's what lasts them for the week. And it really does end up being quite cost-effective. So, um, you know, in the long run, it is it is definitely great value. I think, you know, mm. the problem is that there's so much fruit and veg out there that is so ridiculously cheap and that is just sending a mixed message to consumers and that is actually not the ideal, the the real price of food. And, um, you know, there's farmers that have to cut their prices so much to compete with the cheap supermarkets. And so that's why organic is probably perceived more expensive. But in the long run, really, that is the real cost of, of food. When you look at the work that, that goes into creating that food and, and producing that food. Um, so it is a bit of a mindset sh- sh- shift to kind of get your head around and, and see it from the broader picture, not just the price tag on it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Yeah. The other thing I, I think you need to get your head around when it comes to choosing to eat organic produce is the way it looks. We've yeah. been conditioned by our big supermarket chains around the world that our fruit and vegetables must look perfect and mm. big. And uh, we're used to getting you know, enormous capsicum or bell peppers. Um, we're used to getting these enormous apples that are blemish-free, that don't have any marks on them. And um, and when you get organic produce, often it might not look so perfect because it hasn't been sprayed to an inch mm. of its life and it may not have been uh, – it hasn't been genetically modified to look perfect. Um, and, and I also find that um, – you know, some of the supermarket produce can last and last and last and you think, is this ever going to go off? And real produce shouldn't last forever. Mm. It should go off. It should get mouldy. Um, that's nature's natural um, mechanisms. Yeah. Uh, so I think also that sometimes there needs to be a behavioural shift around the way you buy your produce so that you're not buying enormous quantities and expecting it to last for two weeks mm. um, because it may not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's there's something called the dirty dozen and I'd love to talk about um, whether you feel that there is such a thing as the dirty dozen and, and it's touted as um, if you're going to avoid um, particular items and, and go organic, you should do the dirty dozen. Um, mm. Do you do you agree with that list? Uh, look, I, I heard about that a long time ago. I'm not sure how true that might be today um yeah i mean there's certain i mean from the reports and stuff that we read most most produce is is sprayed to some degree and um non-organic produce and um yeah i don't know about that i'm not so convinced about that i think um if people want to really try and start eating organic but they don't, you know, want to use go and spend hundreds of dollars a week. And you don't actually have to spend hundred dollars a week. I mean, it's just it really can be cost effective. You can grow your own. Um, farmers markets are great where you can actually talk to the farmers and just find out. You know, they might not be certified organic, but they've probably grown it. You know, without spray. So you have those conversations with them and find out where your food's coming from. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think you know. And- but, sorry, just what you're saying with the produce looking perfect um you know that really is a driver for consumers is for everything to be perfect and and shiny and looking great in the supermarkets and and wastage is just unbelievable and a real environmental problem um but with organic well i mean we're seeing some really great quality organic produce now over the last 10 years we've seen you know, farming's evolved and, and, you know, new technology, all that kind of stuff. We're seeing some really perfect-looking organic produce and, you know, but they do come in odd shapes and sizes. And for us, when we're packing people's boxes, we're trying to be very careful on quality because we understand quality is important. People are paying for quality as well. But we're not looking for perfection at the same time. Um, And so it is that kind of balance of offering the best to our customers but you know, not being so picky over perfection. So some blemishes will be there and, and there, there'll be some caterpillars crawling around your corn most likely, but you just need to, you know, put them in the compost and eat the corn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and feel like you're re- really eating real yeah, produce. exactly. Uh, what impact would you say that going organic has had on both yours and your family's health and lives? Um, I think – oh. 
I mean, I think we just feel good. Like we just feel healthy. And and as you mentioned before, I mean, we're always on a journey. We've never really arrived and I don't think we never will be. It's just kind of this constant journey of because we're so passionate and conscious about well-being and health and our diet, um, it's just something that fascinates me all the time and I'm always exploring and I, I feel so tuned in to my body now that if I have, you know, gone off on one or had a little, you know, I ate something on the weekend that I know didn't agree with me, then I just, I know how to kind of recalibrate and get back on track. And and I can see that in the kids as well. And even now, you know, even that story about my son and McDonald's, they know how to make good choices, um, but I'm not there to stop them. So if they do, you know, bring home candy cane and all that stuff like they're doing, you know, for Christmas time or whatever, it's like, okay, that's, you know, just give your teeth a good brush tonight. You know, I try not to just be too strict, but... I think, um, you know, we've seen it in our kids. They're, they're quite healthy kids. You know, they don't really come home with a lot of um, bugs and very rarely do we actually get sick at home. Um, you know, since I've done a lot of gut repair and the gut repair with the kids, I've definitely noticed that's been better. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's just – Food is, is just such a big part of our house, you know, it's, um, and I would really just be so sad if this wasn't a big part of our lives, I think. Yeah, and food is glorious. It's our mm. nourishment. It, it's what keeps us alive and it it really should be celebrated even when we're super restricted um, based because we're, you know, going through um, particular treatments or mm. our systems are really compromised and we've got we've whittled down to only a couple of foods I still think looking at how one can find pleasure and joy in food is really important even if you're you're left with some chicken and rice (laughs) um, because it is nourishing you and uh, and working towards being able to incorporate more foods into your diet and that was the one thing that I just looked forward to so much going through my SIBO treatment was the day when I could eat more broadly and I'm really happy to say that now uh, these days I eat a really broad diet. Um, I know what to I know what to eat in moderation and I choose to avoid grains um, for the most part. Mm. But, you know, every now and then on the weekend I had a artisan made sourdough loaf Ooh. with, you know, organic <laughs> flour and it was beautiful. But that's a one-off for me. That's a special treat and I had some bread and then I won't eat it again for, for some time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, food is glorious. It's so it's just such a joy and, and particularly when you can sit down and enjoy it with others. Um, yeah, one of the things that I learned uh, as I went through my journey was that I needed to address more than just my gut health. I, I had to address my five key pillars to health, which is was my awareness, my nutrition, my movement, my mindset and my lifestyle. And given that, Sarah, you've also gone on your own journey and so has your family around food, I thought it would be really great if we could touch on those five key areas and just mm-hmm. see if, if, you had, if you had to address any of them in your own um, journey and, uh, and what you did. So if we start with awareness, because that was my first piece, yep. um, can you see that there were any areas or any parts of becoming aware that you needed to address on your journey? 
Yeah, I think when I when I was diagnosed with the um, thyroid autoimmune, I just became really aware of how um, pinnacle the gut health was. That was the biggest awareness for me. I don't think I'd had that much awareness of it beforehand and it really was a, such a fascinating journey and it all just, it was like a light bulb moment. It was like this all makes sense and um and I just believe that, you know, gut health is just pinnacle to, to for everyone, not just for you and I who've had um, our issues. I think it's just something that it's it can be linked to so many um, problems in people's health and mind. Mm, yep, it can definitely. Yep. And then we've been talking around food and nutrition quite a lot and you've shared with us around how you um, got really focused on um, menu planning and, and um, making it a priority to eat well for yourself and your family. Was there anything else around nutrition that um, that you addressed that we haven't talked about? Um, I've got – I really enjoy the last couple of years doing a lot more um, uh, fermented foods, so making my own sauerkraut and kombucha and um, and I go through phases with that. Like it's it's not like a weekly thing. Like it's – you know, I might have a break for a couple of months and then I'll start again. Um, so the fermented foods and, um, was a big thing that we've started to introduce more. Um, yeah. And I think, I think just being a bit more relaxed, I have to say, like, I, I have a pretty strong opinions about, you know, food in general, but I'm really conscious that I'm not ramming that down my kids' throats to the point that they resent me for it. Um, so I just have found a really nice, healthy balance. And now that they're a bit older too, that helps. But even with my youngest, you know, he'll still, we still have issues with him at the dinner table, but it's, it's, it's a non-negotiable thing really with, with the dinner and what's there on the plate. It's just kind of, that's it. You know, that's what you're getting. And, um, you can have a big breakfast if you don't want it. And and so I'm just trying to be a bit more, I know that sounds quite harsh, but here's me saying I've actually been a bit more relaxed um you know with the kids and I'm finding that I enjoy I'm just enjoying it again that's the that's the stage of the journey that I'm on at the moment is just really enjoying the process and not letting it be a stress Mm, I think that's really great advice to find enjoyment in it um the (laughs) third step was movement and I'd recognized that I'd become quite sluggish and hadn't been moving my body um what's your approach to movement Oh, look, movement's a big thing in it, and it's one of the things at the moment that, um, look, it's always been a blockage in the past because I've never really exercised loads because I've just always run around for 10 years packing organic fruit and veggie boxes, and I think, well, that's good exercise. <laughs> um, and um, But for me, when I came out of this thyroid autoimmune and I could feel myself on the on the mend and I'd felt like I'd been in this kind of you know, vortex of, it was hard, you know, it's really difficult when you're in those restrictive diets and you're unwell. And I, you know, I really sympathize with people who are listening to this, who are in that stage. And, um, but I was turning 40 and I went, right, I'm going to, I'm going to do something big. i just need to do something big. And so I booked in to do the Everest base camp trek and that required me to really move and get, get physical and get training hard. Um, and training like I've probably never trained before. And I, 
really loved that. I was just blown away by the strength that, you know, I could build up and the fact that I actually did do the trek and made it to the top and back down and healthy and well through the whole thing. And um, and that was October 2015. And so while my fitness isn't to that same level, I find that the best routine for me is setting my alarm before the kids get up. I'll do yoga in my bedroom for half an hour and I'll do my meditation and then um, I try and get out and do a yoga class a few times a week as well and do some walking. And that's that's kind of what I do. I, I used to do CrossFit and 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 stuff like that and I found that that was probably just too hard on me with my autoimmune. It just – I would – I would just get too um, wound up, like flared up with it. So I just decided to um, reduce that intensity and just do yoga. And I find that morning routine is what is what helps me get going. Mm, I'm the same. I find that if I um, exercise in the morning, it sets my day up really well. And if I wake up and I think, oh, I'll do it tonight uh, it generally doesn't happen because mm. the day gets away from yeah. me and um and I even though I don't love getting up early, um, I know that uh, it's the best way for me to move my body. Yeah, I particularly love going out for walks with my podcasts. I, I'm an absolute podcast addict. I have about <laughs> 20 podcasts on the go at any one time. Yep. And, um, and it's my hour on my, on my own. No one's contacting me. Me, my podcast and I walking around the streets, breathing fresh air, yeah. hopefully with some sun on my skin. And, uh, and it's my kind of walking meditation as well. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I think strength training is really good. And I've, I kind of feel like I'd like to get back into that. But for when I was training for Everest, it was a lot of stairs and stuff like that. And that's just was really good. That's for building muscle and um so I'm, I'm trying to motivate myself to um to get back and do a bit more so that's mm. that's my thing for the what a, what an achievement as well so well done <laughs> um for actually doing that because you know wow mm -hmm. that's that is an achievement. Um, the fourth piece was my mindset. I really, really needed to address the way I approached things and thought about things. Mm -hmm. um, did you have any areas with your mindset that you needed to address? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> That's huge, the mindset. <laughs> oh, and it's so fascinating. Like I um, – yeah, the self-talk, you know, the, the stuff that we kind of tell ourselves, you know, on a subconscious level sometimes it can be really um, unhealthy. So I've done a – the last two years um, have definitely been a mindset journey as well. I mean, meditation has been really great for that, but just – reading some books like, you know, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay and some other um, books like that just really helped me to look at myself and actually speak life into my body and into into my life rather than going, oh, here we go again or, you know. And, you know, I used to um, write things out and I'd put it on my mirror and I've still got stuff, you know, plotted around the bathroom that I'll, that I'll say to myself and, and look at myself and say. And, and it, it's, you know, they say the training your mind is the hardest muscle to train. And it is, it is an exercise that you have to be really disciplined in doing for you to see the benefits. And, um, so it's, it, I've got to the stage now, I think, I mean, I do have my moments and my lapses, but, I, I can pick myself up a hell of a lot faster than what I used to if, you know, 
doubt or fear comes in, I'm able to really kind of pull myself out of those things now because I've got a real backlog of of um, things, positive messages that I would say to myself to help, you know, get out and um, and having, you know, Scott, my husband, with me through that journey is also great because we can pull ourselves out a bit with that as well and and we, we every day we've got our our manifestations, our prayers that we kind of speak out and even when, you know, life is tough and, you know, not just through kids and family and, and business, it's, you know, lots of stuff. We, we just kind of go to that place and pull ourselves out. Mm, yep. And I think um, learning how to to walk away or move, move forward, <clears throat> excuse me, from those negative zones that we can find ourselves in, particularly those of us that have been chronically unwell, it's a very, very easy mm. place to find yourself in yep. when you feel sick all of the time and, and it's hard to feel positive. Um, yep. But finding something that you can think positively about mm. can often really help. Yeah, look, it's um, scary being in that place. It's, um, you know, fear comes in, am I going to be like this forever? Am I, am I going to get out of this? Does this mean I'm going to get something else, you know, and all this kind of and and we I think what I started to do was I I try to just watch where I was feeding my mind so um try not to read too much information that was I knew was just going to trigger that fear and doubt in me and um and looking at myself in the mirror and saying no I am well I am healthy and even around the whole gut area and um you know I was just rub my rub my tummy which you know after three babies isn't, you know, nice and taut, but that's okay. I'll just kind of rub it and say, you know, I love, I love you guts. I love my organs behind you. You know, I'm really grateful that you'll work, you're going to work well and I can absorb all the nutrients I need and I'm going to get well. And, and I know it sounds crazy, but I'll just talk to my body like that. And I still do that. It's, um, um, and, and I see myself as a well person in my mind's eye. I look at myself when I'm 60 and I can see myself as one of those, you know, lovely old ladies brisk walking on the beach and doing yoga and handstands and stuff like that. That's who I want to be. And so that's that's where I keep going, not as a sick person. I see myself as a well person. Yeah, I, I love it. And it's something that I've really had to change myself as well. Um, because I also want to be a really healthy, fit and active older lady. And I don't want to be frail and crippled and diseased. Mm. Um, and it's interesting, you talking about, um, you know, just looking at, at parts of your body. But because I suffered from terrible bloating for you know, pretty much my whole life until very recently. I have always absolutely hated my mm. abdominal area because for mo the most part it was really swollen and I looked pregnant. So I never knew what having a flat stomach was. And whilst I don't have a flat stomach now, I don't have perfect abs and perfect six-pack, I've really had to change that conversation internally. Yeah. So I don't hate it anymore. And now I, like what you do, I send a lot of love to it and thank it for coming on this journey with me and um, – and, healing and moving forward and not bloating like it used to and um you know I I can't I'm not sure if I'll ever have a washboard flat stomach <laughs> but I don't send all that hatred to it anymore yeah. and it does sound a little bit uh you know mumbo jumbo but I think that when we are um telling ourselves positive messages then it helps the whole body 
go on that journey. Mm. And I re- and like you, I really visualise the lady that I want to be in my 80s. I've, I'm yeah. constantly thinking about, well, not constantly, I am work, everything I do, I think, is this going to help me be healthy or hinder me to be healthy? And my goal is actually to go into my hundreds. I don't, I want to be old. I really want to get into triple figures. So yeah. in order to get to 100 and beyond, I need to be healthy now. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. The fifth piece um, for this journey of mine has been around my lifestyle. So addressing all of the key components that um, support you to live a healthy lifestyle like sleep, stress, relationships, friendships, um, or anxiety, or all of those types of things. Um, have you had to address any of those areas in your own personal journey? Mm, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, especially, yeah, the last, I mean, the, the whole um, does the mindset thing does open up so much around that area. And, and I think we, for me now, um, like sleep is really important. So both my husband and I, we're really strict. 9.30 lights out. Um, wow, 9.30. <laughs> my gosh, I'd love to achieve that one day. <laughs> I know. It's, I mean, we are just, yeah, I mean, we're up. That's. I set my alarm for 10 to 6, so I, I have that kind of half an hour with, the, you know, some lemon and hot water and yoga and that kind of thing in the morning. Um, and, Scott, we're up early with the business anyway, and then the kids are up. So, you know, that's, that's kind of easy for us to do. Um, but trying, you know, re- I do a lot more reading. I am, I mean, I used to. Because the kids were young, I didn't really – every time I read a book, I'd fall asleep because you're just so tired. But I've really indulged in so much more reading and reading some really good books that are helping me on my journey. Um, and, uh, you know, late nights don't really happen that much. So if we catch up with friends, we often do early dinners and, and we're home kind of for that. I don't really drink that much, you know, anymore and um, – and with the kids, what we have introduced, and it doesn't happen all the time, but we call our Saturdays our Shabbat, which is a, a no-tech day, so no TV and no phones and no iPads, no games, and that means no phones and computers for my husband and I. And um, we tell the kids, hey, it's we're doing Shabbat tomorrow, and that means we often sit around and have a nice big breakfast together and... Um, we might read a book together. We might, if the weather's crappy, we'll stay inside and play a game. Or we generally just try and get outside, and um, and that has been a really big thing to introduce into our family this year, especially. And and we'll carry on doing that. It, you know, at the moment it's Christmas, you know, with busy um, social stuff. But it's um, we just noticed a really big difference in us and the kids when we did that. I love it. I think that's great. It's all about connection and family and, you know, as humans, we just thrive on human connection and I think that is uh, – that's a really great thing that you've implemented with your family. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. good. I will light candles at dinner time. You know, I'll do a special dinner and, you know, we'll light candles and we'll kind of go around the table and tell each other, you know, something that we, what we love about each other. It's Yeah, it's beautiful. How special. And that um, creates wonderful lasting memories for your kids as well, that they'll look back with fond memories of that when they're older. And, yeah. you know, who knows, they may implement that in their own families yeah. when, they're, when they're parents themselves. Yep. Sarah, it's been uh, just wonderful having you come onto the podcast today with, uh, with, with us at the Healthy Gut Podcast. Um, if people would like to get in touch with you, how is, how, what's the best way for them to find you? 
Well, we um, Organic Angels is on our website's organicangels.com.au. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Instagram because we just love Instagram. Um, you're welcome to email us. So there's inquiries at organicangels.com.au. You can personally email me, Sarah, at organicangels.com.au. And, um, yeah, like we're, we're around. <laughs> Yep, wonderful. And I've got all of those links in the show notes. So uh, if you'd like to reach out and connect with Organic Angels, make sure you head to the show notes. And Sarah, you've got a special offer for our listeners as well. Those of those of our listeners that are based in Melbourne, Australia anyway, because you're yet to do <laughs> international deliveries. Yes. Um, so for customers that are in Melbourne and in our delivery area, so there's the postcode search on our website. Um, when you order online and use the code THG, which is the healthy gut, THG, um, you can get $10 off your first order with us. Wonderful. And uh, I use uh, the home delivery service myself. I love it. It's great. It's like a little surprise box every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get in the kitchen and I love coming up with new recipes of your produce. So, yeah. um, you know, if you are in Melbourne and listening to this podcast, I do highly recommend that you uh, order yourself a box. Sarah, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom around all things organic and, um, and also sharing your own personal health journey with us. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. I really appreciate you inviting me here. It's been wonderful. My pleasure. That was Sarah Butler from Organic Angels on episode 16 of the Healthy Gut Podcast. If you would like to access the full transcription or the show notes from today's episode, all you need to do is head to thehealthygut.co forward slash organic. And if you head to our show notes, you can also get access to the special code that Sarah has very generously given us. Um, So anyone based in Melbourne, Australia can get a discount off their first order with Organic Angels. And you can also download a complimentary copy of the meal planner so that you can plan out a week's worth of meals really easily. I know I love hearing your feedback, so keep those posts coming. I just love seeing the gorgeous reviews that you're writing about the show. So either use iTunes or the app that you use to listen to this podcast to leave a rating and review, and it does really help others who are looking for information on gut health and SIBO in particular to know that this is the right podcast for them. And don't forget, you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest and Google Plus. Just look for us under The Healthy Gut. Coming up next week on episode 17, we're joined by Kirsty Barkak. And Kirsty and I met each other about two years ago now, and she is just this incredible woman that is all about growing her own produce. And it's something that I'm interested in myself, but I live in a pretty small apartment in an inner city suburb here in Melbourne, Australia. So I don't have a big garden. So I am really interested in looking at how we can grow some produce of our own, even if all it is is herbs, that doesn't contain any pesticides 
pesticides or herbicides or any nasties that can disrupt our microbiome and also have a really great experience at growing something with your own hands that can be really beneficial to your health. Kirsty has been diagnosed with SIBO, so she talks about her own journey with that condition and how she has used her business and her outlook on growing her own food to really support her journey with SIBO. So I look forward to that, to sharing that episode with you next week. You've been listening to the Healthy Gut Podcast with your host, Rebecca Coombs. To learn more about the Healthy Gut or our podcast, head to thehealthygut.co forward slash podcast. And as we are fully funding this podcast, if you would like to help support the continuation of this podcast so that we can continue to bring you future episodes, all you need to do is make a contribution at thehealthygut.co forward slash podcast. We would like to thank Belinda Coombs for the production, editing and original music score of this podcast. To hear more of Belinda's music, head to soundcloud.com forward slash Belinda Coombs. The Healthy Gut Podcast is a production of The Healthy Gut. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.